course, is Warren Johnson. Well, super nerdy pet peeve uh, of mine, Nick Picky. I don't think he should have been hopping over the top rope like a parkour champion. You got me mad now. What is your name? As always, with my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Facone. That's me. It doesn't matter what your name is. It ain't got a bicycle. I don't really know us like you think that you do. I'm Ryan Isley. Oh, my God. Is he the third man? He's the third man. What the hell is going on here? Straight Shooters is, the, I believe, the number one show on Wildfire Radio. I'm feeling good. No sleep, no food, no nothing. Maniacism. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. What actually happened on the show? Nothing. Give me a hell yeah. I said give me a hell yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in Internet Land? My name is Ron Johnson, and joined as always for my main man, Pots and Pants, Mr. Cone, Philly Voice, and Philly Influencer. And you are listening to episode 224 of The Street Shooters on avail- that is available on all the podcast platforms you can possibly think of, even SoundCloud and Spotify and iHeartRadio, all those different places where you can rate, review, subscribe to us. Give us good reviews. We like good reviews. We like positive feedback. Or we also like constructive criticism as well. But this is episode 224 of that podcast. And before I get into what we're going to talk about tonight on this year's episode, the first time in two weeks we've been back, obviously. I know you've missed us. We took a little, we took a week break because, you know, I had some business to attend to, which I'll discuss in a little bit. But before I get into all of that, let me check in with my good brother, my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Pacone. How are you doing tonight, my good brother? I'm doing good. This is the first uh, first installment of the Straight Shooters from uh, my new Adobe, my humble ab- 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 abode. Not Adobe. Adobe? You're thinking too much about Photoshop. And... I uh, must be. I must <laughs> be. Here. My new humble abode. And uh, a week ago, because... Uh, I had moved in here and I didn't have TV or internet for four days. So if you think it's impossible to survive in 2020 without TV or internet for four days, uh, you're probably right because I almost <laughs> went insane. You know, I good, luckily I, I had work, so at, at work I was able to, you know, get on the Twitter machine and all that stuff, and I still had my phone, so I had to use my data instead of connect to Wi-Fi and all that. So. Uh, you know, it was kind of, it was crazy. It's it's been a long time since I I've had a deal with, uh, you know, being practically off the face of the earth uh, with that stuff. So, uh, still got a lot to do around here. But um, you know, things are settling down. Uh, I'm here and I'm happy. That's good, man. We're recording this on a Friday night. We just finished SmackDown. Uh, the Super SmackDown, as they called it. That's right. That's uh, right. And they never really explored. They kind of did. But it's like, why is it called? Before the show, it's like, why is it called Super SmackDown? And even though I work for an NFL team, I still didn't get it until like halfway through the show. Like, oh, because <laughs> it's the Super Bowl this weekend. So it's just Super SmackDown, even though nothing is really different. They just put Super over the logo as if that was supposed to like. And I think, look, the Super Bowl is on Fox this year. SmackDown is on Fox. That was like that kind of tie-in. I get that they had to do something, but okay, <laughs> nothing they really. Super, they just had the word "super" in front of anything to try to make it feel special. You, know, you and, got 
superstars and sure. super showdown and all that. It's oh god, don't weird. don't remind me. But the Super SmackDown logo kind of gave me some street, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo vibes. I don't know if you were feeling the same thing. Uh, you would uh, know more than me, and I know you're you're a big Street Fighter guy. So actually, I'm a big Mortal uh, Kombat guy, but I do remember playing Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo well, back in well, the day. We had yeah, That's we that. had that. You and uh, our former producer Taylor, right, had, had a kind and, of a, and Brian Ugly and, and Brian too. Yeah, he was, was a starter guy. Uh, no, I was right, a man right. on an island, in Mortal yeah, Kombat. Meanwhile, I was sitting back because I, I didn't play any of those games. You were definitely playing WrestleMania, Super WrestleMania, or something right. like that. That's right. <laughs> or, I basically or, played all the wrestling games, uh, but no fighting games. <laughs> Go figure. I mean, it had some fighting game elements. I mean, Super WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, No Mercy. Well, I'm saying, like, you know, Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, like, none of those types of mm-hmm. gotcha. Speaking of, we should do an episode about wrestling video games at some point. We should. Not, we really should. We really should, though, because I feel like yeah. that could be a fun discussion. That uh, reminds me, earlier today, I kind of tagged you in a video of uh, no, ah. was in No Mercy with uh, Edge and, and the spear when they, can't, they cut to the audience and i know you kind of had a few tweets about that during the royal rumble where wwe messed up the camera uh, cuts again uh, which they they're starting to become you know pretty famous for uh, yeah. you know has this not the first time and it probably won't be the last time but man we, they have to get better we'll discuss that in more detail in greater detail on the show because we got a lot to talk about obviously yeah. we haven't been here in a couple weeks a lot has happened including holy hell the royal rumble happened <laughs> so uh we're not gonna really recap the show but uh it, that happened and it was, it was actually real quick recap i thought both war rumbles were very good i thought the men's war rumble was exceptionally good and i know we talked about a couple weeks ago like the war rumble had kind of lost its luster over over the last decade or so but they got they've gotten it pretty good and pretty right the last couple years yeah especially when so, it comes to the winners and you know i i had a good i agree with you i had a you know i watched the men's rumble uh, a lot of people, it was very polarizing with the whole Brock Lesnar thing, especially like the first half of the Rumble. But I think overall it was awesome. Uh, good stories throughout the match. And yeah. I thought I thought it was pretty good, too. Yeah. And the reason why we did not have a show uh, last week, uh, because I was in Orlando for the Pro Bowl. Uh, did you go to NXT? Or I was going to say I did not make my way to Winter Park uh, for NXT. I did not make my way, make my way to Full Sail. Uh, honestly, I was extremely busy down there. <laughs> I, mean, I knew I, we kind of had a, a, a game plan of what we wanted to do while we were there, and still was pretty, even busier than I expected, even though I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, but so I didn't get a chance to make my way to, even if I really wanted to, I just didn't have the time to really do it. So, you know, no NXT for me. And uh, so sorry, NXT, maybe next time. I don't know if there is next time. But. Uh, but we got a lot to talk about because uh, a lot of a lot of stuff happened coming out of this uh, World Rumble. We got accusations of racism from WWE, which is nothing new. But uh, we'll talk about the latest accusation of racism or somewhat or at least problematic uh, representation in WWE or problematic uh, depictions of people of color in WWE. This latest accusation. We'll we'll address that. Uh, we'll talk about Naomi. And they, they did a big angle with her tonight in Bailey, so it looks like she's next in line for a SmackDown Women's Championship match. Uh, let's we'll talk about AEW, I guess. You know, what, what, I don't know. What's it really talk about AEW? I just threw them out there. But yeah, they're they're a thing. Uh, you know, what sucks for me is the last two weeks I haven't really 
been able to watch uh, either AEW or NXT. I kind of just scroll through them, uh, you know, seeing the main points. I uh, haven't been on social media that much. Uh, just I'm waiting for things to die down here a little bit so I can get back in my routine and everything and watching both NXT, AEW, and then Raw, SmackDown, or whatever. And the huge return at the Royal Rumble of Edge. So we got to talk about that as well. Yes, we got to talk about WWE's production. That's, that's what I was missing there. WWE's production, we will talk about that. But before we talk about that, we got to talk about the big shakeup that happened. Yeah. In WWE, the corporate shakeup that happened in WWE, and that since stock prices were well, stock prices were already going down, I think. Uh, yeah. Before te- technically before this shakeup was made, yeah, WWE stock not doing too hot. But but that was in response to WWE pretty much ousting their co-presidents of the company, George Barrios and Michelle Wilson, who had both been around for a long time. Yeah, and both- I think he's at ten years, ten plus years. Yeah, and and they are both on the board of directors, and they're going, they're both gone, and that's, I mean, from an on-screen standpoint, that's not really a big deal. They didn't really have say, and you don't think, you know, we don't think at least, and who was going over and what the storylines were. But from a business standpoint, that's a big deal. Anytime a company gets rid of two, you know, the co-presidents, you know, be one president or co-presidents in this instance, anytime somebody is ousted at that level, and you know. Obviously, Vince McMahon is a is the end all be all WWE. We all know he who he's at the top of the hierarchy, so to speak, and nothing really gets past the buck stops with him. Nothing really gets past him. But if you're a president in that company, you obviously hold sway, and you obviously obviously have his ear. So you know who knows what exactly happened as to why they were ousted. But it's a pretty big deal that it happened. And a lot of the stories that I've seen, at least, you know, talked about the fact that WWE is expecting lower revenue or at least the exact verbiage but they're not expected to make as much money in that fourth in the fourth quarter of 2019 as they thought pretty much yeah it might even be half that what they were projected or less than half something like that so um i I think and i'm just paraphrasing here without it in front of me i think they were expecting upwards of like 300 million in, in revenue or something like that the actual projection is going to be like 100 in, in the 170 area or, or something like that. So that's a pretty big drop uh, from what they're expecting if it was in the 300 area down to like the 170, 180 area. And again, it could the, the number that could be a margin of error that, that I'm citing, but that's a lot. That's a lot. So uh, and I think it, this came down. We're recording this on a Friday night, so I think it came down on Thursday either Thursday afternoon or Thursday night. So I was kind of taken aback by it a little bit because I had started hearing more like their names more often on these like conference calls and these, uh, you know, events that they're speaking at that these co-presidents and now like they're ousted, you know, right before the XFL run. So that's interesting too. I don't think they really had anything to do with the XFL, but you know, it's just, it's just interesting timing on, on these things. Yeah. And of course, as a result of that, uh, the stock price dropped significantly, apparently. And uh, yeah, so it, I mean, does this what does this mean going forward? I mean, without being in the building and knowing, you know, how the inner workings go, not totally sure. I mean, I would assume that the president's had say over uh, the business, a lot of the business aspects. They they at least reported to Vince McMahon in that they were trying to probably secure television deals and overseas deals and whatnot. And now there's going to be new people doing that. But at the end of the day, 
nothing really changes about how they really run things unless Vince McMahon isn't all of a sudden making those decisions. Like I think still Vince McMahon is still going to be as he is on screen with what happens on within the on screen product. It's kind of the same in the business aspect. Maybe you know somebody may bring a new approach to him, but I still think he kind of wants maybe he, maybe if he be if he didn't like the way things were running with these two people, maybe he'll change his philosophies on things and is open to new you know ways of doing things. But at the end of the day, the buck still stops with him, as it all as as it always has been. And I don't really see, at least from a fan standpoint, what's going to change from a business standpoint. Like, I don't know if there's going to be a noticeable change from from what our eyes can see. But you know, if you're in the on the inside, you might notice it right away. So yeah, I agree with that. I don't think we'll see like creative changes. You know, we're not going to see certain wrestlers be pushed starting on Monday night, you know, and, and Friday night and on NXT. But I do think, uh, you know, definitely on the business side, maybe, hopefully, they can improve the Stam WWE Network for Apple TV that where their newest update completely sucks and uh, it, it's borderline unusable on Apple TV right now. And I know that wasn't, you know, the, the big picture with George Barrios and all that, but, man, can, can you get someone to fix this... <laughs> WWE Network app because uh, I'm not feeling too hot about it. I haven't been on it in a while, and then when I went on it for the Royal Rumble, it's just, it was just ridiculous, uh, crashing here. And I didn't have that problem before, so I don't, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's not even related to this, but that was my first instinct because George Barrios was all about WWE Network and all this and all that and the technology behind it, and he he was at the forefront of it almost. So. Uh, Maybe now that he's gone, maybe they'll improve something there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, time will have to tell on that. You know, whether anything changes really in um in WWE. We just yeah. don't know. Um but let's talk about a, a more serious issue that's been bandied about on WWE, or at least in our discussions in WWE, uh in in the past, in the recent past. And that is how they kind of depict people of color on their television shows. And this came up recently because Bruce Mitchell, and, that, and, and I even saw a um, Bruce Mitchell of PW Torch, by the way, and I saw a story on Fansided that kind of talked about, I didn't read the story necessarily, I saw the headline, but I saw Bruce Mitchell's tweets and that they essentially didn't like how people of color were depicted in the Men's War Rumble, and that Black Lesnar, who obviously everybody knows, was the first guy out, and he eliminated pretty much the first, I mean, 13 guys, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. He eliminated everyone up until Ricochet. So 14 guys. And of those guys, somebody counted, I think, said 53% of them were people of color. Which is like, okay, like, and that, he, I don't know. I, to me, watching that match live, I never once thought, like, oh, this is this is racist. Like, he's eliminating all the people of color. When literally, when somebody did the math, I think it was, like, I think it was 53%. That was half the people. Like, that meant the other half were white. Like yeah, so the first three people he eliminated, the first four, unless John, pretty sure John Morrison's white, right? Unless I'm wrong, unless I'm, you know, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But Elias, Eric Rowan, Robert Roode, he tossed them out unceremoniously. John Morrison unceremoniously, boom, gone, get out of here. Not even a chance in hell at Brock Lesnar. Things didn't really didn't get interesting until Kofi Kingston showed up, who is for sure a person of color. Next out, Rey Mysterio. Also, very interesting, Big E. Those three actually got significant time with Brock, put him down a little bit, got some offense in on him. So would you rather have them been later in the—I in, in, mean, they could have been later in the, sh- in, the, in the match, I guess. 
But it makes sense for those three guys at that spot because they all had a history with Brock Lesnar. That's how I saw it, at least live. Right. And I agree with you. And I, I think that's what a lot of people, um, <clears throat> where a lot of people were missing Bruce Mitchell's, I think, overall point. Um, because it, it, everything made sense, you know, like the history that they had with Brock and okay, that this storyline makes sense, all the sense in the world. And, but I think it highlighted and what he was trying to say, didn't really do a great job with it because, you know, you kind of peruse his timeline and he's not explaining it as well as I think he wants to. Um, and I'm not even sure he can, but I think his overall point was not that it's, they shouldn't have been in that spot and, even though everything did make sense, that was fine. But the fact that the whole booking surrounding them of why they had an issue with Brock in the first place. Mm. And and then they had like, why not? Why basically, why did Kofi have to lose the title to Brock Lesnar in two seconds on the first Friday night SmackDown? There's a bigger problem than that. Like even though Kofi had the title and he had a, he had a six month reign or something like that, it should have been booked better in a way like Kofi Kingston should have been booked better. And I think that was his overall point. Same with Rey Mysterio, maybe not so much. Uh, Big E made sense. He was helping out his, his buddy Kofi, but Big E could, could be a, a huge star right now if he was booked differently. And I know the new day is still hot five, six years down the after they started. But um, I think, just Bruce's main point, and uh, I I don't pay p- to listen to PW Torch Audio. I, I didn't listen to what, what he said on his show uh, after the Royal Rumble or anything like that. And, uh, I just see what he's writing on Twitter and all that, and how I think his explanation pretty much comes up with the fact that his main problem wasn't that it didn't make sense it's, and the order, but it, it was like the fact that Kofi had an issue with Brock even to begin with because that never should have happened type of thing. So that's where I think he was going with it. Um, even though Brock is a freak of nature, like even compared to Big E, who's huge, you know, Brock is a monster. So I understand like why they put Brock the way they do. But, you know, the Royal Rumble, that there was a different feel to it. It was the first time they had kind of done this story with the champion in it who wasn't even defending the title. And Brock just kind of like eliminating guys, boom, boom, boom. And he was just kind of chilling by himself for a long time. You had Keith Lee in there that gave him a little run. I think that Keith Lee was actually the first person. Uh, I don't remember if, I guess he was, I can't remember if he was before or after off the top of my head. Before or after who? Kofi. Kofi. Stereo. It was after. (laughs) So. I got the list in front of me right now. It was Big E, then Cesaro, okay. who got unceremoniously dumped. Yeah. Shelton Benjamin had a little moment, the Minnesota moment before, before right. he got dumped. Shinsuke immediately dumped out. MVP, which was cool. He had the Black Panther gear on. I thought that was cool. But he got thrown out, boom, right away. And then Keith Lee came out. And they had a moment where it was like, Brock yes. was like, who is, who in the hell is this dude? Like, who's yep. big boy here? <laughs> and then when he got knocked down, his eyes, like, big a lie. Like, to me, that put Keith Lee over even more. Right. Um, so, like, I, that, I, I think that, I don't want to say, uh, well, WWE's, uh, you know, there should be no criticism because of that. It was right. a good moment for Keith Lee, but no, there's that, there's something there that, you, you can see with your eyes that you might not have thought watching it live because I didn't think so either. But I under I, th- I just think Bruce's overall point was basically how even though these guys had issues with Brock, it 
it shouldn't have been like that. Uh, by, by the way, the person, you know, Drew McIntyre technically eliminated Brock, but Ricochet had a hand in that. Right, yeah. Also a person of color. Yep. Um, and let's not forget Roman Reigns is not white. <laughs> he's a <laughs> person of color, and he's a, pretty much the top guy in WWE. But that does not absolve WWE from there is a or has been a they've had issues with that in the past and i think they still do to a certain extent because we've talked about this in the past where the top of the card is still the long-haired a lot of times the long-haired white guys who we've seen for years and years and years and i don't know if people still into that look or that aesthetic anymore in 2019 or now 2020 um drew mcintyre is the latest guy to be in that spot nothing against him he is super talented Obviously, he deserves to be in that spot. He's worked his butt off for years and years and years. Went left WWE, came back, and worked their way into the spot. So I'm not knocking him at all. It's just WWE's. It just seems kind of familiar for WWE to do it. And even with the women, you look at you know this kind of bleeds into the, the comments I was you know discussion I wanted to have about Naomi, and that when she came out in the women's rumble, she came out with this, her natural hair out and this fro, and you know. She usually doesn't have that hair. So he came out and was like, whoa, look at that. And guess what? People who didn't watch wrestling, i.e. black women, don't normally watch wrestling or haven't watched wrestling in years, saw Naomi was like, I don't know who that is. That was the first thing they said. I I don't know who that is. (laughs) And I haven't watched wrestling in years, which WWE, that's an indictment on you and the wrestling business as a whole. Uh, But I like her just because (laughs) of her hair and her look and her aesthetic and how she is. It's like, yeah, WWE, you're going to have a whole new audience if you just started putting more people to look like Naomi at the top of the card and presenting them, you don't have to, you know, and the problem is when you have people, when WWE gets a hold of somebody who wants to be pro-black or pro-anything, they become a heel and they become like militant. So if you're pro-black, yeah. you, you're the nation domination right. and they were militant, angry black men. They don't have to be that. You know, the, the antithesis of that is a new day. They're pro-black and they're not militant and angry and stuff like that. And they, I think that was by design on their part. But they've incorporated yeah. some yeah. blackness in their work, in their, in their, in their uh, act, and you know they they sometimes had their gear might have the kente cloths in their gear and stuff like that. So they've done that. They they've been good at doing that for now, like you said, five six years. But you need more of that. And if Naomi from one appearance, she didn't even win the match. And yeah. really, Bianca Belair had a better showing. Yeah. She created like six seven people. She looked yeah. great. She was strong. Boom. The whole nine, and she is destined to be do great things or you hope destined to do great things in wwe or excuse me anywhere in wrestling for that matter because she's super athletic super talented but just from walking to the ring they only people were like who is that like she got way, she got way more attention than any other wrestler even more than charlotte and she won the damn thing right and it just goes to show like yo y'all need there are we had this discussion before and what's cool and what's hip in 2020 or, and you know when we had the discussion it was 2019 still What's cool, cool, what's hip today? Is it another, you know, just another white woman that we've had for years and years? No offense to white people, obviously. Uh, like, blonde white woman like Charlotte. Even though Becky Lynch isn't blonde, she's a redhead or orange. Red, orange. What, what color is her hair now? Yeah, uh, mixed fiery, fiery. How about fiery, that? yeah, <laughs> fiery. But it's another one, another woman just like that. Or maybe you can get a Naomi in there with the natural hair. And you can open her, you can open up a whole new audience of to especially women of color, who I saw a bunch of tweets that from women that said, I haven't watched wrestling in years. I don't know who she is, but I'm rooting for her. Hell, 
Wendy Williams mentioned Naomi on her show. And yeah, people may have their uh, misgivings about Wendy Williams and, and her career or whatever. Whatever you may think about Wendy Williams aside, the fact that she has a nationally, nationally telecasted show daily with a huge audience of all different you know, creeds and genders, and to, to who most of them probably don't watch wrestling as well. And she was like, yo, I want to know who this is. I want to check out more of her. That should be evidence enough. Yo, y'all got something here. <laughs> like, keep doing this. Keep this track record. It ain't perfect. They'll probably find a way to mess it up in the long run anyway. <laughs> but it looks like they are taking notice because they are putting her in a, it looks like they're putting her in a title program with Bailey. Uh, and we'll see how that go. But Naomi, more power to you. I love the hair. I love the aesthetic. It, you know, it, it's, it's not just about blackness neither it's about being who you naturally are that's 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 really a big message for that too i mean for us for black people hair is very important especially our natural hair and you know we don't like people touch our hair and mess with our hair and mess it up it's very important to us probably more important than any other race or culture going on you know i'm sure other cultures and races that probably say otherwise but from what that's what i see at least it's very important to us i know that much but it's not just about black people it's also about like i said being your natural true self that's it and that if you even if you don't want to go the pro black route you can go to pro you know, you know the, the other route and, and like i said being happy with yourself and being who you are not being afraid that you know that you can go to pro natural beauty route so to speak and you got something there with naomi and she's already i mean we ain't got to talk about her physical talent so she's gonna be the most athletic woman on, woman on the roster She's already been a champion multiple times. First winner of the the women's battle royal WrestleMania. I mean, she's got the she's already been there, done that. As far as you 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 know, you can put her in that spot and she can excel. Do it again. <laughs> like why not? She's great. Like she's got a great personality, great smile. I don't see why that wouldn't be the case. Yeah, and I think you said it perfectly. We're talking about uh, we kind of see we're we've been seeing the same type of person at the top of the card for for the longest time the white guy with the long stringy hair it's like okay i think in 2020 especially with two world champions two male world champions two female world champions it should be easier than ever to get diversity at the top of the card it should be easier than ever if you're wwe when you have that that global exposure and the, the two world champions for each like and it's just not happening, and I have no clue why. And, and when it does happen, uh, and this is Kofi notwithstanding, because I, I think me and you agree we, we enjoyed his reign. Uh, we didn't think it was as boring as some other people thought. Um, the way it ended kind of sucked. But um, when, when they do put, you know, even the mid-card titles on, on these uh, people of color or, or uh, you know, like Nakamura or whatever, they're not looked at as important, you know, the way Brock Lesnar's looked at as important, the way uh, The Fiend, Bray Wyatt's looked at as important. So that's also uh, that has everything to do with story. It has everything to do with how they build these stars um, and they just keep shooting themselves in the foot when it comes to taking advantage of these opportunities. So hopefully uh, we saw tonight on SmackDown, you said it with Naomi and Bailey kind of coming together and hopefully that kicks off a program. Maybe we'll see the blow off at WrestleMania and 
you know, that would be a great moment for Naomi. Uh, but time will tell. We don't know where that story is going yet. That could be done by the next pay-per-view because I still think they have two left before WrestleMania. So, uh, you know, that's that's a WWE problem. You know, they they just have not found the formula to let people of color succeed at the top of their card. And I just don't understand why. It's so hard. Yeah, it's like you said, diversity. And WWE's had issues with this before. Like I said, this ain't new. We've talked about it. And that how not only is it the diversity at the top, there's also, you know, the ones that do put there, how did they depict them? Yeah. You know, you got the angry black guy or the silly black guy or you got, it's not even started how they depicted Asians over the years or even Mexicans for that matter. You know, you got, for every Eddie Guerrero, there's a Mexicals, right. you know, when they're riding out on Juan Deers and stuff like that. So, you know, for every Shinsuke, there's, uh, was it Kenzo Suzuki? Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Or even Mr. Fuji, throwing salt in people's eyes and stuff like that. Come on. So, yeah. you got Yokozuna, who's Samoan, depicting a, Jap- a Japanese person, you know, stuff like that. So, th- there have been issues with WWE and race in the past, and up until this day, I just don't think the Royal Rumble, the men's Royal Rumble in particular, was the thing to latch on to and be like, see, see, this was it. Right. It's not like a tipping point because I think, right. you know, we can't, I think maybe we've even already reached the tipping point and then we got past it. And then I think everyone was just like, it's never going to change. So they kind of like, and I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about like white people, whatever. They just didn't think that anything was going to change. So we just kind of accept it. And that's I don't want to say it's our fault, too, as as the, a wrestling fan. But, um, you know, that's we just kind of resigned ourselves to the fact that it's going to be like this when it doesn't have to be. And WWE, of all companies, the global f- phenomenon it is, should be the one kind of steering that diversity the, the way they are, especially with two now three brands. You know, is NXT Keith Lee has to like. I thought after Survivor Series, Keith Lee was going to be the guy, the face of NXT going into 2020 and maybe for the whole year of 2020. And I don't even know if that's going to happen, but I think it should. I still think it should. They need to make him the guy in NXT if they want that brand to flourish the way it can. Um, Because I think if if they even move him to like Raw or SmackDown and think that's an improvement for him, uh, they're sadly mistaken. Yeah, again, time will tell. Hopefully they can continue to get it together. They're not great at it now, but let's get it together. Let's keep it going, WWE, Uh, even though you're not really great at it now. See, I think they did a good job with Brock in that Rumble match because when Drew McIntyre eliminated him, that crowd went nuts. So it it could have been anybody. It could have been anybody. Right, I thought they did a great job, and... I know it, it, when it was happening, I was like, oh, boy, how long is this going to last? And then when, like, the payoff happened, I was like, you know what? That was brilliant. <laughs> it was actually yeah. really brilliant. And that payoff was great. And, you know, it was great because they paid it off. It was great because there was a satisfying conclusion. There was a reason to all of it. And when you look at the grand scheme of things and how the match played out in totality, it was really, really well done. And like you said, you know, those first, I would have, I would have preferred that they not have put John Morrison in that spot since he just came back. Right. I would have preferred that they not put certain people in that spot in certain spots. Like maybe maybe put the Miz in that first ten instead yeah. of after Drew McIntyre eliminates him. Like the Miz is pretty much bulletproof at this point. He can afford to get immediately just tossed out right yeah. away. You know, obviously you don't want to put Edge in there, but may, you know it, it's tough to put MVP in there because he you know he's a a, a legend pretty much. 
and he just gets tossed out right away. You know, it, it's only 30 spots. Do you put Shorty G in one of those spots? I mean, like, <laughs> they seem to, they don't seem to really be caring for what he's doing right now. They just lost to Sheamus again here at the night on SmackDown. So it's like maybe you could have not done like I said the only person I probably would have done was maybe John Morrison because he just came back maybe we switched him and Miz but other than that I thought the stuff with Kofi and Ray and Big E was some of the best points of the time he was out there like when he did the whole thing when he jumped off Big he jumped off Kofi to hit Ray Mysterio like that was lit yeah. like that was an awesome sequence so and and it made sense story wise when was the last time we saw like actual stories being played out in the Rumble, like, good ones. Like, the, even when he, Brock got eliminated, Drew McIntyre kept his eyes on him the entire time, and the fans were chanting, nah, 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 whatever. Yeah. And you had to edge Randy Orton stuff, which played into the next night on Raw. And then it was just so much good stuff in there, I thought, that, yep. you know, it's like, and I didn't, in my, my first mind, and I was watching it with my girlfriend, who would have been the first person to be like, oh, I don't, I don't like this. This feels, this don't feel right. She would have been the first person to say that, and she said nothing. She was into it just like I was, and then coagulate at that point it's like oh there's 50, half and half people of color people that were white it's like it's probably a good thing that in the span of 15 14 15 people half of them were the people people of color like yeah they got all tossed out by broadcast <laughs> but it's probably good to you know there's at least some type of representation if they were all white what would that would say about wwe <laughs> like i don't know that i don't know if that would have been better for wwe is like the first 15 guys in the world rumble were all white yeah i don't Maybe. think that would have been better yeah but that would have pointed out too and be like it wouldn't have been the fact that Brock was eliminating him. It would have been the fact that it, they were just white. So you're right. Um, and yeah, Bobby Lashley and Rusev were taken out of the match for whatever reason. Uh, you know, that I don't think uh, really played into anything. Uh, I thought it was curious because uh, Michael Cole has said it like right before the match started. Um, I don't even know if they did anything on raw like i don't even i'm, yeah, I don't I'm remember. Just trying to remember so i don't know if anything behind the scenes is going on with that it was just weird because um, i was but, sure Rusev was going to eliminate bobby lashley yeah right? yeah and I that that would have been another story to play out in the rumble and right you you had mentioned earlier hey wwe's gotten the rumble right the last few years in terms of the winner but there's not been those stories within the context of the rumble match itself and then this one, uh, you know, I think both of them, the women's and the men's, had some stories play out uh, pretty well uh, compared to previous years. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. The stories have been really, really well done. And I'm all about the stories. Like I'm. Yeah, that's the. That's, that's why the I watch part. wrestling. <laughs> that's some of the best parts about the Royal Rumble and like wrestling in general. Good quality storytelling because the in-ring action in the Royal Rumble. I mean. Really, the payoff is throwing somebody over the top rope. The in-between stuff is what really matters, and as far as the story, not really the action, it's really the story that's going on, that's being told in that match. There was a great story that happened, though, in that match. The return of WWE Hall of Famer Edge after nine years after he had to retire, forced to retire because of neck injuries, he came back and looked better than ever, as far as you know, shape-wise at least. And yeah. I love that he looked grizzled and he looked like a veteran, like he had the gray yeah. in his beard, like he'd been through some stuff. I love that look on his face where he was like, wow, like, is this really happening? <laughs> I right. love that. He's back out there, and he, but he hits the ring, and in WWE, for whatever reason, <laughs> cut away to show more fan shots as he hits his first spear. And I stand corrected. It wasn't his first, his first spear in a decade, because apparently, I already forgot about this. 
he speared Elias at SummerSlam last year. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. didn't even remember that. Like, That's when everyone was like, ah, oh, so he did a spear. He got physical. Could something I, be happening? Look, I forgot but, all about that. And then they forgot all about it because they might have shown it on TV. But after that, there was no mention of it. So I forgot about it, too. I completely right. forgot about it. So definitely wasn't a, I guess, a big SummerSlam moment if we forgot about it already. And who cares? It was like a throwaway segment <laughs> on SummerSlam. But they did show the spear, though, which is crazy. They showed it at SummerSlam, well, but they did not show it at Royal Rumble. They didn't Rumble. show it at Royal Rumble. And why? Because WWE, here's the thing about WWE. They are good from the standpoint that you can tell it's a professionally run operation. They know what they're doing. They're not necessarily bad at their jobs it's just their style is trash it's the way they want to shoot wrestling the way they think it should be shot is trash it's like i don't know how i can relate that to something else like you're good at what you do but the style in which you do it sucks like is that does that make sense <laughs> like i don't know if that I, really I know sense, exactly what you mean. but it's like i gotta get wwe credit because they're not necessarily bad at what they do is from a standpoint of like technique like you don't ever see a WWE show where the sound quality is bad or where they don't get good shots. It's just they switch to a bunch of shots all the time. <laughs> That's my issue with WWE. On top kinda, of many other. I kind of compare it to like I love baseball. It's like my number one lo- uh, sport that I love. And I kind of compare it to that where uh, you just keep getting base hits off bunts down the third baseline. Yeah. And you score, you score and, and you win the game that way. That's not like. That's not something I, I enjoy. That's not why I watch baseball. You know, like these but, but stupid, the way they that shoot way. things in WWE is not the reason why I watch it. It might start being the reason why I don't watch it. But to, to back up your analogy, teams could win playing like less than this instance would be like small ball in baseball. Yeah. Bunts, trying to manufacture some runs. It ain't exciting. And you could be good. You can win. Yep. But it ain't exciting to watch. Nope. This is how I equate WWE's style of production and that. For whatever reason, and I know a lot of people have been pinning the blame on Kevin Dunn. We don't know if Kevin Dunn is actually directing and shoot, telling people where, which camera to go to next. But whoever developed the style, whether it's Kevin Dunn, Vince McMahon, or whoever, somebody developed the style and somebody has executed every television show. So they have the, the this terrible thing of quick cuts, rapidly quick cut. I mean, cuts, shots rarely last longer than like five seconds in WWE. And that's a long time on WWE TV. If a sh- if a shot lasts two seconds, it's like whoa, they let that shot sink in and like, <laughs> let it really sink in. Like it's boom, boom, boom. I just watched the show tonight where Roman Reigns is doing the ten clotheslines of Baron Corbin, I believe it was. And on every clothesline, they cut to a different shot, and it's like that's unnecessary. <laughs> And it bit him in the butt during Edge's entrance. But even before he hit the ring, they cut like 20 times. They cut so much, you didn't even really get to see him that much. They were trying to get that, they were trying to get the crowd reactions, which they got the one time, like the one time it really worked, from what I remember, is when The Undertaker lost at WrestleMania. Yeah. And as soon as he lost, as soon as the three kind of happened, they started getting crowd shots. That made perfect sense because nothing was happening in the ring. Exactly. But for whatever reason, They've used that at all times during matches, during entrances. It's like, bruh, I just want to, nothing is more important than the people who are acting out what's going on right now. It's like a, that's like a football game cutting away mid play <laughs> to show the crowd getting hyped. That, you know, let's say, and let's say Tyree killed. Door to Hail Mary. 
Right. Tyreek Hill in the Super Bowl catches a bubble screen and takes it 90. <laughs> WWE, during the play, would cut away to show Chiefs fans getting up out their seats. Like, oh, yes. Like, go, Tyreek, go. <laughs> and they would cut away during the play. Like, bro, I want to see Tyreek run. I want to see Patrick Mahomes throw this bomb. Like, I want to see most of it run. Like, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see the fans during what's happening. Right. And WWE, y'all got to understand, like, when Edge is making his entrance, your all your shots should focus on him. You can get crowd shots later, right. but focus on him first. Of all. We haven't seen him in a wrestling capacity in nine years. This is this is it. Like it's about him. Instead, we got like thirty cuts of fans, <laughs> and then they cut away from the spear. When like you know when he's getting into the ring, why would you cut away? What what possess you to do that? But that's your style, and it doesn't make any sense. You don't have to do all the quick cuts on everything. It's annoying. And I've been complaining about it to myself a lot of times for months. <laughs> but now I just couldn't not say anything this time because it was embarrassingly bad. And I'm glad that this particular instance blew up in their faces and blew up all over the internet because <laughs> it's like, yo, y'all deserved it. And then they had to put out the unseen footage version again. <laughs> like, bro, y'all just shoot it right the first time. Y'all wouldn't have to do that. I don't think they even waited 12 hours, and then it was boom, boom. The next morning, it was, like, up on their Twitter. <laughs> right. It's like, right, y'all did the same thing when AJ Styles debuted. Because y'all didn't oh, shoot yeah. AJ Styles. Y'all didn't shoot the words phenomenal coming up on the screen, which is, that was supposed to be the payoff. Not Roman Reigns' is kind of Confused, yeah, yeah. yeah. Him being dumbfounded. It was, you're supposed to shoot the Jumbotron, and the Jumbotron was supposed to say, phenomenal. And that was supposed to be the moment everybody went, uh, AJ Styles is here. Instead... You shot Roman Reigns' face, and he goes, huh? Which is, I mean, I'm not mad that he did that. And that could have been the shot you had after you showed Phenomenal right. pop-up. Either way, you got to gotta do better at that. you got to yeah, do better it's at bad. that. It's, it's maddening because I still, you know, I, I enjoy watching classic wrestling from, like, the early 90s, uh, mid-90s. They were great, too. Uh, you know, the 80s. And the way it's shot is so different, and it, and they have improved in a lot of areas in shooting wrestling shows, but that is something that has really brought it down. You know, it makes it, it does make it feel less than, you know, Bush, not Bush League, but like less than Hollywood, less than what they want to strive for. And uh, it, it, like you said, it's not the first time it's happened. And, you know, they're consistently getting caught on these things. And it, what really cracked me up, and I had tagged you on Twitter, was when Undertaker threw Mankind off Hell in the Cell. And hey. the, the, the caption was like, what that would look like today in WWE. And before, like you see Undertaker throw Mankind from the aerial view. And as Mankind's going down, you see like a crowd shot. It's like, tables, tables. <laughs> like, and like, then you, you just see, see Mankind laying on the ground. Don't see him going through the table. You just see him. <laughs> Halfway through the air, they cut away to show people, and then he's like lying. It's like <laughs> that's that like my happen. favorite. That is my favorite meme right now on Twitter because there's a ton of them, and it just cracks me up. WWE would certainly, and I don't, I'm not saying this as, as an exaggeration. WWE would certainly take a cut during the fall. Like I'm pretty sure if we look back at Shane McMahon's fall off the cell, <sighs> they cut. And it's like, bruh, you know what's going to happen here. Line up your shot. Get your shot. Stay on it so you don't miss anything. When you cut away to, even if it's another shot of him falling, you risk missing something. It's a split second. And when it's live, that's all you got. You got you got one take. And if you miss it, it's gone. But they would cut in the middle of it. 
when back in 98, they didn't. You just saw Mick Foley fall through the air <laughs> and hit the ground splat, and that was it. Then they made cuts. Yeah. You know, that together. Now I wonder, uh, I'm going to go back and see uh, on the WWE Network this rumble uh, to see if they actually incorporated, uh, if they edited it, you know, edge of spear to the footage they showed on Twitter, you know, the next day, because they could absolutely do that too. They can, with the criticism they're receiving, they could go back and edit that lot, that live shot on the network and plug that in there as like, and maybe it would be like a new upload. Maybe it's not even worth it to them to do it, but I might try to see if, if it really got to them that badly. Uh, maybe George Barrios was to blame. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was a protection truck <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> Um, but that's that that's a big annoyance. The, the constant zooms when people are punching or kicking or something like that, that's annoying. Yes. Uh, Shaky cam. We again, this is years in the making. This ain't nothing new. I cannot stand when they shake the camera around when people are brawling. It's like they don't expect people to be fighting or brawling on a wrestling show. So it's like you you're supposed to react. This is supposed to be chaos in your mind. Like to, to them, it's just chaotic. Yeah. So you gotta. To, to show you that this is chaos, they gotta shake the camera. Like, bruh, I don't. It makes me dizzy. <laughs> like, I don't need you to shake the camera to 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 kind of let it sink in how chaotic this is. To show them fighting each other, I don't like. I don't need to. Whoa, shaky cam. It's we don't know where to shoot. Like, bruh, people have been fighting on your show like this for thirty years. If y'all don't know how to shoot it at this point, what the hell have y'all been doing? If y'all people don't know are, what to do. No, people are tuning in for stories that interest them. They're not tuning in for freaking camera shakes and zoom ins and zoom outs. So I don't know why they changed it the, the way it's shot, um, but that's not why people tune in. So right. you're you're making people tune out because it's like that. WWE it's undue criticism. This? Like it, it's not needed, and you're making it worse. WWE does this, but there's no evidence that it actually works there's no evidence that anyone actually likes it there's not like they got no not like they can like show you tangible evidence like we got 13 grammys or thir- not grammys that's music 13 emmys like we've got all these emmys lined up showing you like somebody likes it we've got plenty of awards to show you that this works they don't that's the like that's the craziest part about it to me they do all these little dumb things that no one else does by the way you know, the way from down to the way people watch television on SmackDown or Raw, like when they look at a monitor, they're looking at it from the side. Or when they're on camera, they're like kind of standing like side by side together. They're not looking at each other face to face. They kind of like are facing the camera, but their heads are looking at each other. And it's like you do these little weird things <laughs> that don't help you at all. Like it doesn't make your show better. Like no one is watching WWE TV and going, you know, man. They got, I like, I just like the look and feel of it. Like, no one says that. No <laughs> critic, no fan, no no one says, I just like the way the look, it looks and feels. Like, I'm trying to think of a show like, like, the show, oh, what was the name of the show that came out about um, the nuclear disaster? Chernobyl? Chernobyl. Why can I forget the name of the show? It's where the, where the thing happened. <laughs> the way that show looked and it was shot. And that's just, just, and it, it's different because it's not live television. It's, it's a, a mini series. But that's something where people go like, "Yo, I just love the way it looks. I love the way it's shot." Like, no, like critics would say that, and other people I've talked to personally, just me personally. I mean, not, it's not everybody, obviously, but people who are into cinematography and stuff like that, like they like, "Yo, the way it is shot is beautiful." Blah blah blah. 
no one would say that about WWE. It, they'd say, yo, the camera shakes too much. They zoom in and out too much. They cut too much. And why do people watch the monitors like that? Like, why do people do like that? <laughs> Those little things that WWE th- does, you would think that they would do it because it's proven to succeed. Like, it's proven that people like this, and it's this is how people want to digest their product. It's not! <laughs> like, we watched for years and years a different way and in the last like 10 years or so maybe even 15 they completely changed this other thing and all that's happened is the ratings are going down like <laughs> like you can say the ratings are going up like nothing is help- that this hasn't helped any so why have they done it for so long it's beyond me this is like a a head coach of a sport that they've been fired years ago there's no results to show that this works <laughs> Like, it yeah. doesn't. There's no tangible evidence. No Emmys, no nothing. Not even regional Emmys. Nothing. Nothing to show that this is good. But yet y'all like, do it. Yeah, I feel like when they switched to HD is kind of like when they started experimenting with these different camera things because that was like in 2008 when they started broadcasting in HD and that's kind of the whole when, when PG came back and all this and it just became a different product than, you know, I really enjoyed 2004 through 2007. I thought it was good stuff. The storylines were were okay. They, there was nothing that was like as embarrassing, made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. And there was no stupid camera cuts. And uh, you know, I think once they went to HD is when I started the, the whole production started feeling more Hollywoodish, and they, they started doing you know, with these guest hosts and all that. So I think like maybe around that time is what is when it started. And that was like 12 years ago. That's ridiculous. That's too long to be dealing with this. And I think just recently, maybe within the last three or four years is when we really started kind of hammering home the fact that this sucks. You know, I don't want to watch wrestling like this. It sucks. It's really more striking for me now because when I used to write recaps at Philly.com, I was watching the show intently every week. So I didn't really like have time to complain or like something like that like or notice i just maybe i just got used to it so much that I just stopped noticing it but since i've not done it week to week i've watched a lot of shows but i don't watch as intently as i used to and obviously i watch a lot of other things i watch netflix i watch amazon prime like i don't right. just watch nothing but wrestling all the time and then when i come back to raw or smackdown it's like bruh this is even more jarring than any like <laughs> watch any other sporting live sporting event or live event in general they none of it is shot that way football basketball baseball mma boxing where there are people fighting each other it's not shot that way i don't understand why wwe feels the need to do that like i understand that maybe some of it is to cover up the fact that it's the the punches aren't landing necessarily but people know this stuff ain't real like you don't have to kill the rest you don't get to kill your product with twenty thousand camera cuts to protect the business all of a sudden now WWE so worried about protecting the business when they do so many other things that yeah, especially don't when their the network their network has programs that ex- completely expose it. Right, like, that's so stupid. And they do so many other things on their actual shows to expose the business yeah. other than the that's punches. True. So I, I can't even buy that if that's the reason. But another thing that really bugs me now in last like two years about WWE, they've started introducing these like AR experiences during the entrances. And now almost every wrestler has them. They, like the AR graphics that they have in the arena. It's like when Roman Reigns comes out. Oh like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, on the TV screen, yeah. Alexa Bliss or Nikki Cross. It's like the yeah, two crazy looking heads. Yeah. Or like... Uh, See, that I don't have much of a problem with. I or, think that's, you know, whatever, but... I don't like them because I don't think they look... The one that had the Royal Rumble Roman Reigns 
What the hell was that? It was one of the screaming. <laughs> that was weird. To the dog. That was weird. <laughs> they're, to me, they're weird because they do them every week. They're not they they're not unique anymore. They're, they're not the, the luster is going. When they did it at WrestleMania for the first time, and I, like okay, maybe this is the only time or only on pay per views. Right. To me, that would be I tolerated more. But when yeah. you do them every week and you do that same sweeping shot under the dog every single week for Roman Reigns or the same thing for Alexa Bliss, the same shots, it's the same thing. And they, when somebody's making their way to the ring, they make sure that they cut away from that person, again, cutting away, to show this thing. It just seems, it just seems uh, just shoehorned in unnecessarily. You know, I don't, we don't care about that stuff. I don't think fans, I don't think they took a survey and fans really said, we want more of this. (laughs) And if they took a survey now and asked fans, hey, do you would you stop watching if we didn't have these? Most of the people said, no, I'm going to keep watching. I don't give a damn. <laughs> like, Steve Austin was white hot. They didn't have a skull in the middle of the ring. Obviously, technology <laughs> wouldn't support that back then. But it wasn't necessary. That's my point. You know, it's not necessary to do it. Yeah, and they, no, I agree. It's not they necessary. They take the camera off your star and Roman Reigns to show this AR virtual reality dog and if you don't those don't know AR is augmented reality. So, you know, if, for example, if people remember like the Baltimore Ravens, they had the thing where the Raven was flying around the stadium. That was really cool. Or people do AR were like we did it with the Eagles at the Eagles Autism Challenge where we you could shoot the metal and something will come out of the metal and it is like a message or something like that. And you know, that's not like a brand new thing, but WWE discovered it a couple years ago and was like, <laughs> We should do this all the time. Like <laughs> Get as many of these as possible. We'll do them all the time. Like the Miz has his thing, and they shoot at the same shot. It's just to me, they don't use them right, and it's the same sweeping little shot with the boom camera and all that. And meanwhile, you're cutting away from your star. Keep the camera on the star. Keep the camera on the person that I came to see. I don't care about this virtual reality doll thing. The thing is, WWE probably spent a ton of money on them, so they're like, look. Even if it ruins like the shots or ruins the the entrance, damn it, we gotta shoot them because we spent a lot of money. We gotta get our money's worth on them. But it's like I'd much rather just see Bailey walk to the ring or Sasha Banks or whoever. Like I don't care to see the, the snake, the viper, or Randy Orton or any. I don't, there's a tunnel for Shinsuke Nakamura. It's like a red tunnel. What is that? <laughs> I guess they have to feel like, hey, we're a big production company too. We're not just wrestling, and they gotta, they gotta put it in there. Like, for, I guess to but no one else for, for young impressionable kids that think WWE is like the greatest technological company in the world. No one else does that. When we watch the <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday, you might see that on the field, like for like, and WWE does this when for like when they come in and out of breaks, they'll have like the match graphic. We're back here on SmackDown and you just, right now it's Shorty Gable versus Sheamus. And it's like a little graphic in this, in the arena. You see that on football games, see that on the basketball games. Uh, or when they do like a sponsor thing, uh, this is, this match is presented by progressive. And it's like the little yeah. thing in the crowd that makes sense to me. Do that. Obviously it's a sponsorship. It's a different way to present your sponsor. It's a cool way to present your sponsor. I'm cool with that. It's only once or twice a show. And then when you come out of breaks, that's like once or twice a show. I'm good with that. That's perfectly fine. But let's say you watch the Super Bowl Sunday, and let's say the Chiefs are running onto the field. They're not going to force in a Chiefs logo <laughs> and shoot and sweep under it, something like that, just to say, hey, we look at this. Because it's not necessary. Right. It's not even actually there. <laughs> like, like, who cares? Who cares? The funniest part, I think, was uh, 
the first time Asuka's uh, had one of oh, those things. And it was like the mask. And somebody texted me asking me if that those were hanging up in the arena. <laughs> but the problem is they'll shoot the mask more than they'll shoot Asuka. Yeah. Like they'll keep yeah. it on the mask for like a good 10, 15 seconds. Like, bruh, where's Asuka? I don't care about this. Like, this is not necessary. And I'll shoot remember it. They'll sweep. That was last year or the year before. But yeah, they, they texted me. They're like, is that really hanging up in the arena? And I had to double check to make sure because on, I think man. that was one of the first times they used that augmented you know, reality. You damn so. well that wasn't in the <laughs> Come on, man. It costs enough money to get it virtually in the arena. What about to actually hang it up and change it every match? Hey, man, they they hang that stupid WrestleMania sign every year, so you never know. And now it's like, it, for some reason, it feels, it, it looks so much bigger. You it know? does look huge, doesn't it? I don't know if they have it closer to the center of the ring or if it's just a bigger sign in general. But I feel, I, I feel like looking at it, that is blocking somebody's view from, like, the nosebleeds. I, I saw it on Raw, like, that thing is gigantic. Like, it's yeah. Like, yeah. massive. <laughs> What I haven't seen yet on Twitter is like somebody from behind it taking a picture to see just how much space it takes up. So I'm wait I'm waiting for that. You would hope. I want to well, see, I wanna I see just how big it is. It's hung high in the arena and most people are looking down, so it shouldn't. Yeah. It, it, sh- right. it should not uh, block your view. It should be uh, shouldn't obstruct your view. But it'd be interesting to see if that has happened though. But typically it'll be at the uh, Wells Fargo Center. Uh, Coming up. They're going to be in, in a parts, right? Uh, an elimination chamber. I forgot all about that, but... Yeah, me too, and I'm not going. I'm, I'm going to try to get some tickets, because my daughter... I, I took my daughter to SmackDown back in... Change, even though I'm not... <laughs> October, right? Yeah, I took my daughter to SmackDown in October, and I'm going to... She's been begging me, like, oh, when are they coming back? Like, where can we go? They, we need to go next week. I'm like, Gabby, they're not here next week. Like, they, they come <laughs> like twice a year. Because uh, we, me and her watch SmackDown together all the time. Yeah. Uh, cause she likes wrestling now. I'm getting her into wrestling. So, uh, she always asks me, oh, who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? I'm like the, the person with the, uh, <laughs> the person kicking the other person in the face is a good guy actually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, my nephew's getting into it too. I do the NWO sign with, there with you the go. click okay. sign every, yeah. every time. That's our, that's our high five to each exactly. other. So. Exactly. Yeah. That, you t- raising them right. That's what you right. gotta do. That's right. I don't know why I'm subjecting my daughter to this terrible production, but <laughs> it is what it is. I mean, again, she don't care. Like, she don't... Right. It, it's, it's nothing. It's not necessary. And, like, she looks at it and goes, ooh, that looks cool. And that- the funny thing is, if I was a kid now engrossed in wrestling the way I was, you know, in the ni- early 90s, I would think it's cool, too. And in, like, 10, 20 years, when WWE's not doing this stuff, I'd be like, man, bring that back. Bring that augmented reality oh, back. <laughs> Please don't. But it's the thing. My daughter sees it. She doesn't react to it at all. It just, yeah. again, to me, unnecessary. I spent all this money probably to get these graphics made, and they're pointless. All they do is just take me out of what I want to see, just so y'all can show off your fancy shot. That won't get y'all any critical acclaim. Like, <laughs> no one cares. No one's going to say, man, WWE is doing this stuff right, man. That Look at this shot right here of this dog. And they sweep under the dog with this beast-looking thing from Brock Lesnar. They they show this thing. It looks huge. And they they showed a sweeping shot under it. Look at all these masks. Like, wow. Like, you know, WWE, they, you know, they don't do everything right, but they got this right. No, no one says that. No one says that. Stop it, WWE. Y'all can do better. Y'all are better than that. That's the thing. That's the thing that kills me. I know WWE is capable capable of more, 
they're capable of better. They got very talented people working for them behind the scenes. Those people aren't slouches. It's just the style that they work under and they work with that they decided that no one told them to do this. This is w- these are all WWE's decisions. It's not like the trend of the of television yeah. told them dictated to them. This is what people like. This is how people are consuming television these, these days. That's not what happened. This is all WWE making an autonomous decision to do these weird quirks with their production and it honestly it sometimes ruins it and takes you out of it another thing oh my god another thing that annoys me to my to the nth degree and they started this like maybe five six years ago is when they something is happening backstage and for whatever reason they cut away from that and show the titan trying to show them talking on the titan so let's say it's firefly funhouse and bray wyatt's talking and doing his thing They'll cut away to in the arena and they'll sweep in front of the jumbotron and show him talking the arena and they'll show people looking at the jumbotron. It's like, why? What is the point of that? What for what? I would love to hear their logic behind that because for years and years, backstage segments happened and we didn't need to be taken out of that moment to show it taking place in the arena as well. All you're doing is taking me out of what's happening right now. You're showing me Firefly Funhouse, which is, in in essence. I'm supposed to be immersed in this strange, bizarre experience, but you taking me out of that immersion for no real reason, just to sweep across and show the jumbotron and everybody looking up at it, and it's like, why? <laughs> so like mean. I can't think of a good reason why they do that. It doesn't make any sense to me, but they do it I every mean, single week. Maybe for the the viewer at home to see what the viewer in the audience is seeing, but. We don't care. I don't care what the viewer in the audience is watching because we're both watching the same damn thing. So why do I care from their vantage point? Um, that's the only reason I can think of why they would like a shot like that. It's it's stupid. Right. It's like, right. again, hey, to use Super Bowl as an example, like when the teams make the entrances, right, they'll show the video and they'll be like, we are the AFC champion, Kansas City Chiefs. It'd be like during the middle of that video package that you're seeing live on television. And they're showing all their season highlights and the, the highs and lows or whatever what got them to this point. You know, you, you know a video I'm talking about where they show this video and then the team runs into the field after yeah. that. It's like in the middle of that video, the NFL cuts away and shows it playing in the arena. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, or in the stadium, I should say. It's like, bro, I was into that video. That video y'all made was pretty epic. But now you show the shot of the stadium <laughs> instead like, of this video. I want to see this video. Like, this video is cool. Yeah. Like, but it, it it wouldn't make sense for them to do it. It doesn't make sense for WWE to do it. It's just another little quirk that they do and they that they have. It's just senseless. Like that's the, <laughs> that's the part that kills me the most. Is that yeah, I, there are things that happen in life that I may not agree with, but there might be some logic behind it, some sound reason behind it. Then I may not agree with that, but at least there's something behind it. And maybe there is in WWE, we just don't know it. But it just trying to think and think really hard about it on my own, I got nothing. So why, WWE, tell me why y'all do the things that y'all do sometimes with y'all production. Don't understand it. Maybe we'll, uh, I, I was hoping, you know, SmackDown on Fox, we would see some production changes, but it's the same damn thing nothing. and it sucks. Nothing different. <laughs> Terrible. And it, you can tell they teach it. To all their wrestlers, to yeah. all, everyone, they and if you don't do it, you're probably going to get you know chewed out, chewed out or, yeah, probably in trouble. So they teach it and they beat it into their brains like this is the way you have to do it. 
Yep. If you like, don't post here on that X, then uh, your push is done. Like, right. come on, man. Like, <laughs> but why? I wonder if anyone has ever asked why. Maybe they're too afraid to because they're afraid that Vince McMahon or whoever is going to be like, don't question me and what I want you to do. Right. Do it. And but, the, the answer could just be as simple as because Vince said so. And that's a terrible maybe, answer. Maybe that's it. That's, it yeah, it is. That is a terrible answer. It's just it, it doesn't make any sense. I wish I could make sense of it. I can't, and it frustrates. <laughs> and it makes watching WWE's programming very it, hard. We could already be tough. It can be tough as it is, just from the subject matter, from from the uh, from the create from the creative. But then you, on top of that, y'all got these weird production quirks. This is like, what? What am I watching right now? I'll tell. Uh, SmackDown, I think the last few weeks have been a little better in terms of the program, and Raw's been pretty good for a while. So at least I'm feeling better about the contents of the show but definitely the production and the way it's being shot and that type of stuff needs to change because people do pay attention to it it's not just the storylines that people are paying attention to not just the angles it's everything and i think the criticisms criticisms getting louder and louder with respect to how they're shooting their shows and this is a perfect example of it this past weekend this is and, you know, Raw Monday and SmackDown the night, like, it's a perfect example of people just getting fed up with, you know, their production and how they do things. Just yeah. make it a wrestling show or shoot it the way you would back just, in the 2000s. Just early use common 2000s. sense. Just use common sense. When you see somebody like Edge running into the ring, that's yeah. not the time to cut to a crowd shot. Even if you cut to a different shot, make it a shot of the ring. Just use common sense. Yeah. Yeah, like, whatever happened to that aerial view, and I know it's hard, you know, in a baseball stadium to have that aerial aerial view, somebody uh, of the ring when a new entrance coming down, but maybe do something with that. Have, like, a, you know, they have those, uh, what are they called? The things that carry the cameras on the, oh, man, how can I forget what they're called? They're they're on, like, these rigs or something, Yeah, and they move cool. around. Yeah, why, why not have one of them just kind of pan over the ring when Edge comes in? Uh, you can have like a corner shot of the the um, near the, the far side ring post, and you see him come on the other side and just spear the guy. That would be a cool shot, you know, if you needed to change a shot. Um, not not the crowd, not the crowd. And we've gotten some funny ass gifts of crowd shots over the years. But that's not why they do it. You know, they don't do right. it so we can get funny gifts. Uh, the, the Miz, when the Miz won the world title, uh, that girl in, in the audience, like that's one of the funniest things ever. But it didn't happen in the middle of a pin, you know, like right. so that's the timing needs to be better. If you're going to do crowd shots, like I, I don't think we're necessarily saying don't do crowd shots. We're saying the timing needs to be fine-tuned because it's happening way too often in the middle of something that we need to see. Yeah, and it, it's happened... Edge Edge's entrance wasn't the first time that this happened, like you it said. Was like, that that seems like the... That was the point where I think... And not just you, but I, I, remember I saw your tweets and I kind of chuckled to myself. I was like, man, Vaughn's going to have a lot to say about this one on the pod. Because yeah, it was... Like... It, it was Edge coming back after nine years. And, and if you can't get that right, oh, it was that's, an awesome that's moment to hear his music. He comes out. Yeah, they cut like 30 times in that 20 seconds. But then that shot of him walking out of the smoke and his eyes and the look yes. in his face. I'm so glad they at least held that shot. Right. That, 
that's what you that was the emotion coming across. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see that emotion coming across. I can hear the crowd. I can hear it. I can tell the crowd is going nuts. Like, I don't need to see them going nuts. I want to see Edge. And I think they shot people in the ring, right? Did they shoot people in the ring, like, reacting? Which I think they did. I'm not Maybe, totally sure. Yeah, I don't remember. Even if that was the case, also not necessary. <laughs> like, keep it on Edge. I don't need to see how the, the guys are reacting in the ring. Keep it on Edge, for the most part. Just let a shot linger. Like, and it wasn't even like he was what the twenty first entrance, so I think it was twenty. You know, make that moment right. You let know, it, Brock, Brock was gone. Like let you, it sink in. Yeah, like I let it linger. There's nothing wrong with letting that shot linger, and you know sometimes it's okay. And sometimes you can let Michael Cole lay like instead of him laying out yeah. on like when somebody's getting heat. That's the time when he should actually turn it up and be admonishing the heel. Something like that happens. Maybe he gets his little call in. And then he lays out. Instead, he's, oh, my, which we always hear. Could it be? He needs Michael Cole. You are too talented to have the same surprise call every single time. Yeah. Oh, my. Like, we've heard it 30 million times. Please change yeah. that. Please. I'm begging you. Yeah. Could it be? It is. And then he goes into, like, all the stats that he has, which is like, bro, <laughs> how do you have all these numbers ready when you know for he's supposed to be a surprise? But whatever. Yeah. So lay out then and just let that crowd tell the story let his face tell the story not the crowd's faces and not michael cole's voice like i want to hear the fans voices and edge's face and let that tell the story you know one of the last times wwe has let a crowd tell the story is when daniel bryan turned on the wyatt family and beat Bray wide in the cage because there was like no commentary after and uh you know, once that whole thing started, I think there was like three or four words that were spoken from Michael Cole and Jerry Lawler. They just let that whole thing just play out. They let the crowd take over. And it was amazing. I think Jerry Lawler was he said, like, Daniel Bryan is back, you know, and, and that was it, you know, and it wasn't in a moment of uh, where it took over anything. He let he, he let that play out. That's that's what I want to get back to. And that was in 2014. That was six years ago because it was in January of 2014. I cannot believe it's been six years since that moment. One of my favorite Raw moments of all time. I didn't mention that. That's exactly what we're talking about when it, you're just saying, like, let something breathe. Let the crowd take over. Now that you mentioned that, I just felt really old because I remember that like it was yesterday. And it <laughs> exactly. was six years ago already. Yeah. Like, that felt like yesterday when I was watching that. And then a couple of weeks later, or maybe it's a week or two later, the Occupy Raw stuff happened. Yeah. That stuff was great. That was great stuff right there. And that was now six years ago? Good Lord. Time has flown by. Yeah. That is crazy. <laughs> like, that is crazy to think about. But time has flown by on our podcast, on this episode of the podcast. That's right. Which means it is time to wrap it up for episode 224. So, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick Bacone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio. And we are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Straight Shooters. And listen to Fox Sports The Gambler on iHeartRadio. Download the app. And you can also check out PhillyInfluencer.com. Well, I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me there, you can probably find me out here in these streets, even though it's getting a little bit colder. It's not that cold, but a little bit. Uh, it's not that cold, though, for some reason. Uh, getting me a little, you know, a little weird feeling. I'm okay with it. Okay with it. Uh, it should be a little colder in Philadelphia in January, but whatever. Uh, you can also find us on every podcast 
app you can find us on, possibly find us on, like I said, including SoundCloud or Spotify. And of course, we're also on Patreon, patreon.com slash radio, where you can subscribe to some exclusive content for the nominal fee of $1.99. So for Nick McCone, I'm Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 224 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Peace.